What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Primetime Sports Podcast, hosted by Joey Mailari. So today is a special day, July 1st. It is Bobby Bonilla Day. Happy Bobby Bonilla Day to any New York Mets fan out there that celebrates. Bobby Bonilla, if you don't know him, was a former All-Star for the Mets. Last played in baseball in 2001, but receives a $1.19 million payment every single year on July 1st. It started out being a $1.19 million payment in 2011, and it will extend all the way through 2035. So he's 60 years old right now. He'll be 72 years old by the time 2035 comes and his last paycheck comes from the New York Mets. The Mets paid him a five-year $29 million contract in 1991. And at the time, according to CBS Sports, it was the richest contract in sports. Of those five years, he spent just three and a half years with the New York Mets before being traded. Ended up going on to win a World Series with the Marlins in 1997. And the craziest part of this contract is that it was a $5 million buyout with the New York Mets. And now after, and this was in 1991 when he signed it, he last played in 2001. After 22 years, 23 years of not playing in Major League Baseball, a $5 million buyout with deferred payments ends up being $30 million since he's getting $1.19 million from 2011 through 2035. So happy Bobby Bonilla Day to everybody out there. Now I'm going to move on to the Boston Red Sox with a big win last night in Toronto. Heading into last night, the Sox lost seven of the last eight games, including five games in a row, and was swept by the Miami Marlins at Fenway Park. They scored just 10 runs in those five losses, those five losses in a row, as I mentioned. But for some reason, I had a feeling going into last night that they'd turn things around and get a win in Toronto. And that's ultimately what happened going in, losing five in a row and losing seven in the last eight. Not many people would have the Sox winning that game. But for some reason, the Sox are playing Toronto very well this season. I thought they'd come out and make a statement win like they did against the Yankees a few weeks ago. The Sox backs are against the wall. And they end up sweeping the Yankees on a weekend series. And looking into last night, the Sox did the same thing. Got a big win to start this series on the Friday night. Sox are now 5-0 versus Toronto on the year. They were 4-0 heading into last night. Now 5-0 versus Toronto on the year. And this is a team that the Sox struggled with heavily last year. The Sox were 3-16 versus Toronto in 19 games last season with a minus 70 run differential. Losing one of those games 28-5 at one point. But they were 3-16 overall versus Toronto last year. Three wins, 16 losses, minus 70 run differential. Now you look at them. 5-0 with a plus-18 run differential in 2023. James Paxson was electric on the mound for the Sox. Seven and two-thirds innings on the mound, giving up just three hits, no runs, seven strikeouts, two walks, and 110 pitches. He looked great, did exit his last start with a knee injury, ends up coming back last night and pitching very well. Jaron Duran had a good game. He was 1-5 for five at the plate with a big two-run home run. Now at 290 for a batting average on the year. Made a great play in center field to rob Vladimir Guerrero Jr. of a home run. Ends up being a big play in the game for the Sox. They did get a big win last night, though. Runs-wise, they won that game pretty handedly, which is good for the Sox, considering that the offense was struggling so much for a five-game period. Winning last night 5 nothing is huge. But nevertheless, he did rob Vladimir Guerrero Jr. of a home run. So great play by Durant in center. Yet again, another defensive Great play from him on the season. And I think it's time to move on from Adam Duvall as the everyday center fielder and let Jaron Duran take that spot fully in the lineup. Duran been playing better defensively as of late and has been hitting good as well. If you look at Duvall in his last 18 games since returning from the IL, came back on June 9th. In 18 games since returning from his injury that he suffered in the first week of the season, he's 10 for 60 at the plate with a 167 batting average, one home run, four RBIs, a 283 slugging percentage, and a 548 OPS. I think it's time to move on and let Jaron Duran be the everyday center fielder. Next up, Masataki Yoshida. He was really good in last night's game. He was 3-4 for at the plate with a home run and a stolen base. He's been great against the Blue Jays all year. Cutter Crawford on the mound for the Sox today on Canada Day against the Toronto Blue Jays. His last two starts, he's gone 11 innings, giving up four runs, nine strikeouts to one walk. 
with a 3.27 ERA in those two starts. The interesting thing about Crawford is that he has a great pitch arsenal. He can go to anything. He has about four or five pitches that he loves to use. He loves going to the cutter and the curveball, and that makes him dangerous. can get up into the 95 and 96 mile-per-hour range with his fastball. He's been looking good as of late for the Sox. For Toronto, it is Yusei Kikuchi on the mound. He's been good for Toronto on the year. 7-2 record with a 3.75 ERA and a 1.26 whip. 1.226 whip, I apologize. His last six starts, he's been elite on the mound. 37 strikeouts and 32 and two-thirds innings pitched with a 180 opponent batting average of 248 ERA. Toronto on the year is at 45 and 38 for record after last night's loss, and they are 6-4 in the last 10 games. This series is big for the Sox, especially considering that we're getting close to the deadline now. Now that we're in July and it's July 1st, we're getting closer and closer to the trade deadline, which is in early August. And the Sox really have to figure out what they're going to do at the deadline. The Sox currently stand at 41 and 42, four and a half games back of the wild card spot in the AL of the Houston Astros. They hold the last wild card spot in the AL, the third one. And the Sox are four and a half games back of them. And there's a lot of options for the Sox and what they could do. They could trade James Paxton, trade Chris Martin, trade Kenley Jansen, trade Justin Turner and get good returns back. Good amount of those guys are on expiring deals. Justin Turner's on an expiring deal. And then I believe James Paxton as well. I think Chris Martin and Kenley Jansen have multi-year deals though. And then Adam Duvall, maybe if he heats up a little, he could be moved at the deadline. I know one player that is extension eligible that is under control for one more year is Alex Redugo. I would love to see the Sox give him an extension and hold on to him for a few more years. Next up, last player to talk about on the Sox is Tristan Casas. In his last 13 games, he's been very good at the plate. 16 of 46 in his last 46 at-bats with a 348 batting average, two home runs, eight RBIs, a 544 slugging percentage, and a 944 OPS in his last 13 games. He has struggled defensively with decision-making, but at least he is making strides at the plate and is really coming into his own at the dish, which the Sox obviously need in the heart of that order, especially considering how much he struggled in the first month of the season. He's gotten better each month, so it's great seeing him playing very well over the last 13 games. Mookie Betts is starting to make a run as a dark horse candidate for the NL MVP. 22 home runs now on the year, which is third in the NL and fifth in Major League Baseball. He's got a 270 batting average, which he's gotten up over the last few weeks. 55 RBIs on the season, which is fourth in the NL and 10th in the Major Leagues. And he has a 553 slugging percentage, which is eighth in the MLB, and a 923 OPS, which is eighth in the MLB as well. So he's making a run for the NL MVP. His last three games, he's been electric at the plate. He's seven for eight in his last eight at bats, with an 875 batting average over the last three games, with three doubles, three home runs, eight RBIs, six walks, no strikeouts, a sack fly, and a stolen base in his last three games. In his last three games, he is 13 to 15 on base. In his last 15 plate appearances, he has gotten on base safely 13 of 15 times, which is an 867 on base percentage. And I know some people are going to look at the box score and see he played against Colorado and Kansas City in those three games, but it is really, really hard to do that in the MLB. It's really hard to go up 15 times to the plate and get on base safely 13 times. Last night was his best game so far on the season, I'd say. He was 4 for 4, two home runs, four RBIs, and two walks. Six for six on base last night and got the Dodgers a big win. Acuna is the favorite right now for the NL MVP. He's had a great year, and this is Ronald Acuna Jr. He's had a great year for the Braves lineup. On pace of 40 home runs, 74 stolen bases, 218 hits, and 148 runs scored on the year, which is a crazy stat line. That's like video game numbers. Overall on the season, he has 20 home runs, a 334 batting average, 53 RBIs, 37 stolen bases, and a 1.008 OPS so far in the year. 1008 OPS on the season. He's been a big part of the Braves' dominance on the year. As for the Dodgers, they are 46 and 35 on the season and currently sit two games back of Arizona in the NL West. 
And if you look around the standings in baseball, one division that stands out heavily, besides the AL East being so good, is the AL Central. Every team in the AL Central right now is under 500. Every single team. There are five teams in that division. All five teams are under 500. Even though right now it's really hard to tell who's going to win the division considering there's four teams within five and a half games of each other there. Right now, Minnesota has the lead. They're up a game, I believe, on Cleveland. Minnesota's 41-42. and 42. Cleveland's 39-42 and 42 so far in the season. I think Cleveland goes and wins this division. The Guardians still have 10 games versus Kansas City on the year. Seven versus Chicago, and that being the Chicago White Sox. And seven games against the Detroit Tigers so far left on the season. That's 24 games versus Kansas City, the Chicago White Sox, and the Detroit Tigers. That should definitely help them and give them a boost in the standings. I think Cleveland wins this division. As for the NL West, which I just talked about briefly for a second, the Dodgers are two games back of Arizona in the NL West. I think the Dodgers still have a better roster, still have a better team. I think once they get fully healthy and get everybody back in their rotation, Julio Urias should be back soon. I think they're going to be the winner of that division. Obviously, you guys know I'm a Dodgers fan. I'm a Sox fan first, but the Dodgers are like my second team along with the Los Angeles Angels. I'm a fan of all three of those teams, so I do root for the Dodgers to win that division. I think they will come out on top there in the NL West. The last team I'm going to talk about is the New York Mets, who had a disastrous month of June. They were 7-19 in the month of June, didn't have a series win in the month of June. Not one series win in the month of June. They are a season worst, 10 games below 500 right now. And after a devastating month of June, you had to start thinking, what are they going to do in the next month? They started the month of June with the wild card spot and with three and a half games back of the Atlanta Braves. Where do they stand right now after a 7-19 month of June? They are 18 and a half games back of the Atlanta Braves right now in the division. 18 and a half games back in the NL East. 18 and a half games back. So what do they do? They still have seven games left against Atlanta on the season and six games against Miami left on the season. I think you have to go somewhere around eight and five in those games to get some ground back. Then if you look at the rest of the schedule, they still have 16 games left between the Kansas City Royals, Washington Nationals, St. Louis Cardinals, and Chicago White Sox. I think they have to go 11 and 15 over those 16 games. Right now, there's 23 games left in the month of June with it being July 1st. I think they need to go somewhere around 14-9 or 15-8 and eight in the month of June. If not, they could definitely blow it up at the trade deadline and send away some of their star players, including Max Scherzer. We'll see what happens there. I'm rooting for the Mets to turn things around. They have the roster to do so. They just have to get back on track, win a couple games, and then keep on moving from there. At the end of the day, it's about making strides from the middle of the season towards the end of the season and getting hot, just getting into playoffs, and then making a run. We saw the Phillies do it last year at this point in the season. They were only around two or three games over 500 at the halfway point. They go on and lose in the World Series. If you look at the Washington Nationals who won the World Series in 2019, they were not in any position to win the World Series at the midway point of the season. They got hot and made a run. And then the last team I'm going to mention was the Atlanta Braves who won the World Series two years ago now. They were not at any point in that season, in the 2021 season, ready to win the World Series at the midway point. They got hot, made a run, and it ended up working out. So just get hot, get back on track, and you never know what can happen. So we'll see what happens. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this. As always, I appreciate it and hope you guys have a good one. Thank you.